Hey guys, so a quick heads up before we head on to today's podcast, which we did with Legal Pythia with the CEO that is Jeremy Borman, who's currently in Scotland. Um, there are quite a few good uh, pointers in the interview in the podcast, so make sure to listen through uh, as Jeremy talks about Legal Pythia, his startup company, his experience, and also a few tips that he will give some of you who are interested in you know entrepreneurship getting involved in business and all that and also before we get started i would like to share send a short shout out to fiona in frankfurt who's celebrating a birthday today uh fiona we wish you a happy birthday from the sift uh from the sift group we wish you all the best in whatever it is that you plan on doing in your life and uh yeah so guys listen into the podcast Everyone has a purpose and a passion in life. Some are able to achieve them while others struggle. Join us on our journey to educate thousands of our followers on business, finance, and psychology. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much accurate. But my memory tells me the first time we spoke was when you were a sophomore and I was in pre-university and I had a question in uh, law, I think... Um, I think that's the first time we, we talked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Uh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. So um, I've, we've, I've pretty much talked about legal pithia on my social media platforms, and uh, I bet most of the guys have seen legal pithia. But again, I think most of them are also wondering uh, what legal pithia is. So maybe you can uh, tell our listeners what legal pithia is all about. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, legal pithia, um, the main idea of legal pithia is to make like law applicable for the normal human being. So everybody, like the everyday person, the everyday worker, they're supposed to get like the legal pithia feeling. They're supposed to like in their daily lives, they're supposed to have like a common knowledge of law without having to spend the whole university education in it. Uh, the main idea is to use new technology, AI, uh, to solve cases either for law firms, so B2B, or for B2C, so customers. And I wanna, we want to start B2B because I think it's easier to enter to the market, mm-hmm. but um, also eventually we want to go B2C. And also legal pithia is more than just like technology. I think it should be more about people, like the whole brand. It's about people, it's people focused. We're trying to help people get better in law, either through their university education, so tutoring, either through technology, or maybe it's just to network, things like that, yeah. That's the main idea of the, the company. And also, I think it's important that the company is like very simple. So everybody understands it. Nothing is too complicated. And mm-hmm. Technology is complicated, but yeah. And uh, interesting. And how was your, how has your experience been so far? Because I mean, like I know uh, your legal PC is a startup, and uh, you know, as a startup, it's always very um, not difficult as such, but challenging when it comes to you know finding an appropriate business model for your own uh, company and all that. How's it? How how has your experience been so far? Like, yeah. Um, the experience, and I think just like for every startup, it's important that you don't have to stick to one game plan, like to one business model. I think it's important like you adapt. Uh, for us, maybe like at first sight, 
my crazy idea was like to have an AI lawyer or come as close as we can to that. Mm-hmm. I talked to some experts about that, and they told me, okay, hey, this is the technology, this is what is possible, which was not kind of meeting my like expectations. Mm-hmm. So, also about the, like the business model. Um, well, there was multiple options as we like discussed. It was like, what are we going to do? Are we going to do an app? Are we going to do like a, a monthly like subscription? There were like multiple options, but we were kind of adjusting. We we're kind of still adjusting now because uh, we don't know. We might have a good idea, and then the reality turned out to be totally different. Mm-hmm. And like, have you had like, um, have you had like phases or like uh, times when you? to yourself maybe that you're not quite sure whether to push this through or like to stop and and if you had such uh, if you had such a feeling like what really motivated you to you know get back and push forward yeah um there, there were occasions when like i thought maybe it wasn't like the, the the best idea or like uh things were like not going good for example when i when i see like the competition and like how far, far they were so i was like thinking to myself, maybe just not really innovative. Um, also, it was like, uh, when I talked to certain people in the law field, they weren't really accepting of it. They had some criticism on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third thing was also with like the programmers or the people that, that, that were actually like with us. They kind of were, they kind of were like interested and like they were willing to work, but nobody had really a clue and I don't really had a clue either back then. Mm-hmm. We're still, so don't kind of have now. So that was like kind of, that's that kind of uncertainty where you don't know, am I still fail, am I not? Uh, mm-hmm. for me, what kept me pushing was basically, um, first, I love startups. For me, it's not about money. It's just, I love building something. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I think that you can always find like a market niche. Uh, you just have to look. And like I said, that's going back to that one point. Uh, don't stick to one model because you might have to adjust later. I think that's really important. And that's what keeps me going, basically. And also, then again, on the other side, you have support from some people. Like, for example, here in Scotland, a lot of people uh, told me it was a really good idea. Uh, give it to some some fundraising programs, see what they say. So there was a lot of encouragement. It also depends like where, where you're at, what kind of place you are. And do you think, like... Uh for a founder, is it, is it important for a founder to develop people skills, like on how they network with people and with whom they network? Do you think it's um, important for founders? Yes, 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 yes. yes. It's, I, think it's the, I think that's the most important thing to network. Um, uh, like it was in the legal picture case uh, where, as you notice, we had like, we, had a, we created a survey or you created a survey and then we were like, okay, how do we give it to people? And then we contacted all these people and we didn't get a lot of responses. And then I had this connection with this PhD uh, student at Mainz and we sent it to him and then like by your like two, three hours, we got responses like that, like really quick. Um, also here in Scotland, it was the same thing. Um, I don't know a lot of people, but then I knew some Chinese people, some Hong Kong people. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, I know this and this guy. And therefore, I already got a business model. Like, I already got a, a whole structure of, of the actual product, which is, like, really helpful. It's, still, in my opinion, the most important thing to network as a founder. You, you need to know people. In all, and that means in all kinds of areas, not, not only technology, 
you need to know investors, you need to know people that can do marketing. Um, and even sometimes, like, if you think, oh, that connection is might not, like, useful to me now, like, you never know. So it's always important to keep these connections. I'm like, Jeremy, how would you network with these people? Because, I mean, like, um, I think I've had this conversation with you about... Um, personality and uh, characters like like people have different characters uh, as defined by Vanessa Van Edwards I think you've read the book as well so we have yeah. like we have like ambiverts extroverts and introverts and for introverts it's not really um, easy for them to network with people for extroverts it's more of a game for them they enjoy doing that ambiverts are a little bit in between but how do you now you as a founder how do you now approach someone and tell them, hey, I have this um, amazing business idea and, you know, share with them and network? Like, how do you go about that? Um, I think that's a really good point, the book from Vanessa Van Edwards. Um, you have to be careful, I think. Like, I can I can give them an example. I was here in Scotland and uh, my accommodation roommate, he studied computer science and he's a, like a really introvert. And I've been pushing him to do his own ideas and then, like, join my team really, really hard. And the harder I pushed him to, like, go my direction, like, the, the less he wanted to do it. So he needed his space. And then, like, other people told me, hey, he's the kind of person that you can't push him like that. He needs a space. He needs to think about things. And then he'll come back to you. And mm-hmm. then, then I realized, okay, I'm an extrovert or I might be an ambivalent. Uh-huh. But I need to see the person, like, not only as a business connection, but, like, what type of person they are. Like, how much pressure can I do on them? Like, I have a great idea, yeah, uh-huh. but the person, he might not want to do it now. He has some, like, uh, education and stuff like that. That's the first important thing. Uh, the second important thing, um, it goes back to, again, look at the people. What, what kind of character are they? Um, do they even fit in your team? I mean... If you just have extroverts in your team, that might not be good. So you have to think about that as well. Um, and the personality type, I think it takes time to really get to know a person. Yeah, you have introverts, you have extroverts and stuff like that. But the true personality, you have to just wait on it. But let me ask, like, uh, you've, 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 you've mentioned a very good point. How do you, like, when you're recruiting uh, someone in your, in your startup, team like how do you know like this is the right person and this is not the right person because now it's not every time that you'll be able to recruit people around your friendship circle or around your around your circle because not each and every one of your friend might be interested in whatever it is you're doing or they might just not fit the criteria so how do you know like when you're approaching a stranger and you want to recruit them into your startup team like how do you know like this person fits well in my team or this person does not or is it more of a trial and error um well the way we used to do it is uh we we were like two people and my friend who studies like psychology he, he kind of knows about people a lot and then we like we're interviewing people and stuff like that but it was like in a close circle as you said i think it is really important just to get to know the person first. Um, you don't have to be friends with them. That's not, not uh, at all. And um, you have to make clear what you want to them. And yeah, it can always happen like that. And I've just listened to a podcast like two days ago 
where they said basically the people that are in your startup team like your first year, they're not going to be there like in the fourth year and stuff like that. So you never really know. I think it's more a trial of error. Uh-huh. Of course, there's like red flags and signals. Like if the dude says like, yeah, I'm super excited, but then we work together and like he hasn't done anything to stay like substantially, you obviously know, okay, there's something wrong. Or if the dude doesn't write back like, not immediately, but like after a certain time. Or if there's one side of the startup working really hard, the other side is really not doing anything. You just you just know that feeling, that kind of things. And then I think it's also important when recruiting at people, that you have to just, you kind of have to figure out how much time do they have. Like, for example, if I'm approaching a PhD student, you gotta prepare it to, hey, He's a PhD student, he might be excited, but there's always something like on the road that he might just say, no, I don't have time for this. Um, while maybe what I have now is like a person who just finished his bachelor year in Glasgow and he has a year off, so he has more time and that's that's kind of fitting. Mm-hmm. So for my podcast listeners, what Jeremy just said about, um, you know, having uh, startup founders being in the first year and by the fourth year, some of them having left the startup company. One tip I can give you guys is this this is a contract called a one-year cliff, four-year vest contract, whereby the founders have to wait one year for 25% of their sweat equity to be vested and four years in total to have a hundred percent equity stake in the in the company and jeremy let me ask you something because i know you're a very motivated guy you really work a lot and a lot of hours you put in a lot of time because i've worked with you i know and like where do you get this motivation from like and also is it like as, as a founder is it like necessary for every startup founder to you know put in 40 plus hours per week or like What's what's your say on that? Um, so yeah, let me start with the first one. The motivation uh, for me is basically it's a kind of form of independence. I think you're never really like independent. Yeah, of course, but um, I think I'm. If you think like ahead twenty years from now, I ask myself the question like, where do I want to be? I've seen dudes do PhDs. I've seen dudes work for like these big companies like Microsoft. NATO and stuff like that and that is fine people can do that but I think it's just not giving you a sense of freedom like doing your own thing and also your time is like very limited like yeah I could have just like fun have hobbies or stuff like that go out drink every night and then maybe work for a big law firm that'd be great I'll I'll make like 100k plus in a year but that's just at the end of the day, you still have the boss, you still haven't done your own thing, like your own dream. I think that's the most important thing, like just visualize it or go for it. Okay, and... Uh, um, mm-hmm. No, go ahead, sorry. Okay, and, and uh, as a student, do you find it a bit challenging, like balancing um, work and uh, studies? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is really, uh, that's the hardest challenge. That's one of the hardest challenges. Um, you have to, you have to find the right balance. Um, it's working good for me now. I don't know how it's going to be in the future. Uh, I still have the same grades as I had when I didn't do the startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I have better grades. So I think this is time management. Um, like I said, you don't have to, you don't have to really put in 
the 40 hours like me, but you also got to realize the start of this hard work is just not a hobby. It's at the end of the day, all dreams put aside, it's still business. So you have to be professional, uh, no matter how much you work or how hard you work. Uh, the second thing is, um, if you work really hard, then your expectations are higher. If I just put in whatever, like 10 hours in a week and I want to be the next Apple, it's just not going to happen. Like, it depends what you want out of the startup. Do you want to, do you want to go small? Do you want to go medium size or do you want to go big? Um, I think that's like the, that's how, that's the scale of how many hours you should put in. And like, um, on your expectations, I know like before you came up, like while you were coming up with the idea of uh, founding a, a startup company, like, did you, did you experience what you expected or like your experience has been maybe a bit different from your expectations before? Like, yeah. Um, it's been totally different. Uh, my expectations were too high, I guess. Uh, in like all kinds of fields, like people, uh, product, um, where this company is going to go. Uh, the experience was totally different. Sometimes it was negative, but also sometimes it was like really positive. Um, I think that's every time you, you try to achieve something, you're not, you're not going to have the same thing yet that you imagine. So I'm kind of getting used to that, but it's been uh, totally different. The, the most important thing, I think the, the, the very most, like the, the hardest difference was um, me thinking the startup's going to go like faster, but in reality, it's going to take more time. That, for example, I envisioned to be the product, like maybe, okay, there's going to be like a product finished by the end of 2020, but as of looking now, it might be later. So I think the most important thing, your expectations of reality they're not going to cross over in time-wise, that's uh, for sure. And um, any tips or like pieces of advice that you'd like to give anyone who wants to engage in entrepreneurship or wants to, you know, start, up, start a startup company or something like, any tips or like pieces of advice you could give them? Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, uh, stay patient, stick to it. Um, a startup is like a roller coaster, it's going to go downs and ups. Um, second of all, don't expect to like success like really fast. Uh, think more long term wise, like think 10 years ahead. Don't think uh, I'm doing a startup three years and if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, quit. Um, the, the third thing is network really hard. Get to know as much people as you can. If you're an introvert, then try to get as many people as you can online. Uh, there's LinkedIn, there's Instagram, there's stuff like that. Um, the next thing is look at the market, look what's going on right now, stay stay up to date. Uh, you, you might have a great idea, but maybe the market doesn't need it, the customers doesn't, don't need that. And um, last thing, be passionate, love what you do. If you don't do, if you don't love it, or just doing it for the money, stop right now and do something you love if you love it then go for it don't don't aim to be rich or get big just do it those are my tips basically process of outcome yeah yes <laughs> so jeremy, process, of process of outcome so jeremy like if guys want to find you where can they uh, how can they contact you 
Uh, sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh-huh. Uh, Jeremy Borman. Uh-huh. Uh, University of Glasgow. Uh-huh. Um, you can follow Legal Pythia or Legal Pythia at Instagram uh-huh. as well. Um, Legal Pythia has also Twitter and also Facebook, so you can follow me there. Um, also, my email is uh, jeremy.borman at yahoo.de. Uh-huh. You can write me an email, text, whatever. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy, thank you for uh, coming to SIFT Podcast. We have, um, I'm really, really grateful uh, that, that you came. And I hope that we can continue working also in future. I mean, we've worked really well together and uh, I know we can still also work on a few more things. And guys, if you have any question, make sure to reach out uh, at Legal Pythia. That's L-E-G-A-L-P-Y-T-H-I-A on Instagram. And on his uh, email, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out also to SIFT. Uh, on our website www.siftgroup.net or on my email Augustine at siftgroup.net and we'll stay in touch Jeremy thank you for coming to SIFT podcast and um, we will check in with you uh, later on on your progress and we can do another episode um, thank you very much hey uh, thank you so much for having me and I look forward to working uh, together with you in the future definitely